What's that shirt? <laughs> White people wear the fucking weirdest shit. Man, you know. <laughs> they do. <laughs> They're in all the same. You got a fucking hoodie on too, right? <laughs> no, that, no, yeah. no, you no, took no, the hoodie no, off. No, I got it. Come on, man. Yeah, I like that. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, it is Saturday. This is Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and I am sitting in BJ Armstrong's office, and we have a guest unlike any other, a man that has always been a legend beyond the basketball court, on the basketball court, everywhere in, in, in the world, basically, and it is Brian Scalabrini. I'm just going to say at the very beginning of this, yeah. I feel uncomfortable when people gas me up. Right? Yeah, no, I like it. Like, all my friends, they tell me how shitty I am. And always, like, the, 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 the yes. unique individual comes yeah. in, and when you fucking gas me up, I'm yeah. uncomfortable with it. I know, okay? I kind of like that. Well, you're just coming at me for being a white guy wearing this shirt. You didn't understand what my shirt was. So now I'm all I'm all thrown off, because I'm like, Where I didn't know Scalabrini wasn't white. I mean, no, I, I am that, white, yeah, okay, but I right, just, no. like, I just wear free stuff, man. Yeah, like, well, this it, is yeah. free. This is free. Uh, you didn't know. You didn't know it was free. I'm not, listen, one thing. <laughs> See, you gotta listen, even up. No, let me tell you what's different between me, you, and all your friends, right? Like, I'm not trying to be cool, man. I know. You guys work really hard on dressing down to look cool. I just dress down, and I'm just... You're just cool. No, no. (laughs) I don't know if I am or if I'm not. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just trying to get to this podcast, and then I'm trying to get to my hotel. <laughs> I'm just trying to do well, my do my effing job, like my man BJ Armstrong, way back in the day. Let's do Scal. Scal, I appreciate you for coming on the show. How is that? You're cool. That's cool. That's 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 about as much love as I like. This is my man. This this is real talk. I've been Scal and I, you know, I've been knowing him, USC. So you were with the Bulls at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw me come. I, I, we, we played Northwestern. Yeah. Someone scheduled our Hawaii game, and then we played Northwestern next. Like, who? Like, that's got to be busy. This is college right? sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm like, so I'm sick as a dog uh-huh. in Northwestern. And they came, and BJ is gassing up. He's tearing crowds how good I am. I was a dog that night. I sucked that night, and we lost to Northwestern. But he's always had my back. Mm-hmm. Remember during pre-draft, I, like, I was at a – you practically lived at the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I can't. All I know is Scal. Like you come in normally during the draft process. A guy would come in on a Wednesday. You know, you have dinner with them. You work out on a Thursday, and you leave that evening. It was like a week, and oh, yeah. Scal was still in the building. Yeah. And Scal was like part of the team. He was part of the group. <laughs> because here's the reason why. Because I didn't. I wanted to go to all the workouts, right? Yeah. And a lot of guys are like, yo, I want to do 10. I want to be fresh. Man, I was doing like eight workouts in a row. And then there was the <laughs> Chicago pre-draft camp, yeah. and I was already there, and there was about four days in between. So I'm, like, I'm not flying back for what? Like, I'm not about that. I got to go see my friend, my dog, my mom. I ain't, No, I got a hoop. Yeah. So I was there. We, I was hanging out, working out. It was great. It was great. And that year, this was your senior year, right, at USC? No, it was like my year going into the draft, 2001. Okay, yeah, 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 gotcha. And then your senior year at USC, right, for people that don't know, you went to the Elite Eight, right, and you played the Duke team that went on to win the national championship, the best team, right, in college basketball history of the century. So I just want to put that out there. People Were forget, they the best? Yeah, yeah, that's what they got voted. I kind of the, feel like they, like yeah. the referees stole it from Arizona. <laughs> I do. I mean, Not from I, us. I know, they were I better than us. Know, right. But Arizona's team was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was, when I was shocked that year when Gilbert Arenas was a second-round pick. 
Like, every time I watched him play, he would cook us. Mm-hmm. I think he had, like, 27 points and 16 minutes doing whatever he wanted. I'd go to the Michael Jordan camp in Santa Barbara. He would cook out there. And then he went second round. I was, I was shocked by that. Hey, Scott, has it been – speaking of Gilbert Arenas, have you seen a trend in the NBA now with so many, like, mid-major players having an effect on the game? What do you see the difference between the players today and even when you came in the league? I think uh, – I think the rise of the individual workout and like I don't know how many guys really put in that time in the gym like back in the 90s and the two, early 2000s but there's 10 year olds out there that got individual workout coaches so I think their skill level like take a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie Spencer Dinwiddie the hard-working guy like he's really excelled himself into a pretty good player because he puts in the work I think a lot of these guys now are doing that so their skill sets are so much higher and then you add that with the lack of physicality in the game, the, the, the lack of hand, hand checking. So these guards coming off pick and rolls, which they've been practicing probably since they were 12 years old with a workout coach. And now they're in the league and all the reads and all the things that come from that, I think it's allowed guys to really excel. It's interesting because, like, one of those guys that understands the reads, right, in, in the NBA is, like, Cole Anthony, right, who's at North Carolina right now. But he's playing a college basketball game, and we talk about this all the time, how different that there's no preparation for the NBA game. Even in college, like, the game is totally different. And sure. Cole Anthony is a pick-and-roll point guard playing in a secondary break at North Carolina, so it doesn't really fit the one-to-one of what he's trying to do when he gets to the NBA. So what is that preparation? What is the answer? Because, you know, like I said, we try to figure out what it is because everyone has their own individual coaches. But sure. How do you different. get prepped for the NBA now? I mean, I'm sure dad prepared him for yeah, running pick and roll. Like, yeah. you know, you got to read. It's 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 a progression. First, you come off, you read the big. Then you come off and you read your the role, man. Yeah. Then you're reading the third defender. Then you're reading – then you're like LeBron and Chris Paul and all these guys that see all nine when they're out there. So – but it starts with just coming off and reading your, your first guy. And I don't think – what we have to understand is – just because at North Carolina he's not running that offense doesn't mean that he's not working on that skill set. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they just they want to run secondary break, so they're going to run that. But it doesn't mean that he's not spending 30 minutes a day or 45 minutes a day on his own time, you know, running pick and roll. Or you go play – I guarantee you, you go play pickup at North Carolina, they're running some type of pick and roll. Mm-hmm. That's what the game is turning into right now. And let's talk about the game that you're in, the big three, right? Because we got the whole rebrand. They, they're on CBS now, right? And they got the, mm-hmm. the fireball. It's, yeah. like, it's like a whole – I watched Ice Cube. He did this whole video that was basically like the most fired up shit you've ever seen in your entire yeah. life. He's like, the fireball is now – I don't even like FIBA basketball. That's not three on three. This is where the legends play. So, I mean, being a part of that league and that brand, it seems like it's blowing up. It's fun. It's <laughs> – uh, but I've – this is going into my third year – and, no, my fourth year, and I still don't understand like what it takes to win. Like, I think I no because no win what to win the championship or no win, win some games, okay. man. No, I don't. It's hard for me. Normally, like so in the NBA, the more variable like if NBA was played eight on eight, I'd probably still have a job, right? Yeah. Like the more variable there is out there, the better it is for me. And you go all the way down into one on one, I'd be the worst. There's, there's. There's 10 million better play, one-on-one players than me. But, you know, you start adding in you know, more players is better for me. Less players is not. So I'm, spacing and I'm just trying to figure out, like, a strategy that can help us win games. And I, 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 every year I think it's this, and then it doesn't. It's sad. It really comes down to just you got to be able to defend your position, mm-hmm. and you got to be able to uh, – and. and and isolate and i'm that's not what i'm good at well yeah i was gonna say joe johnson's one of those guys you talked about with with iso joe being a superstar in that league star i mean joe was incredible (laughs) no incredible incredible so what based on what you've seen 
what is the perfect player? Well, I mean, Joe would be six seven. That you so you can you can guard and rebound, right? Right. But you're not going your your size doesn't come into play because you can't double team because there's only three guys out there. Like right. you don't have to double team. A, if Joe Johnson has a Greg Oden, you don't necessarily have to double team that if it's low in the clock. But if uh, so, it, 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 but he also can stretch a guy out, knock down the three, really space the floor. So you're looking for uh, guys that have big time ball skills. I'll tell you, like Corey Maggette was really good in it. Um, yeah, he got hurt last year, right? Two years ago. Two years, okay. Yeah, he got hurt, but he was he was uh, he's really good in it. Katina Mobley is really good in it. Uh, offensively. Uh, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf is oh, unbelievable, he and he's. Missed? Have you ever seen him? Miss? No, he's fifty. Fit now he's fifty one, and he's out there just. And he looks wiser every single year. Yeah, he he's, back, he's, he's, like he's he out there just year. killing. So, and for for bigs, big babies, big is, is good. Right. And he, you know, and Birdman was good. Like they defend defend the rim and defend their position. So, like like I said, it's not an easy. It's a different game. It's totally different than five on five, or even it's different than the FIBA game. Yeah. Which you know, if you ever watch FIBA three on three, they take the ball in the net. It's just a faster game. Yep. It's it's very different than anything I've ever played. But uh, you know, I'm optimistic, just like I always am with everything in my life. Well, let's just make sure that we say we're looking for that guy. That guy. We're looking for that guy and contact this guy. Yeah, yeah. If you see contact me, Scal, hit me if up you, if you want to play like a Josh Howard. Can Josh Howard create his own shot? I think so. I think yeah, then that would be a perfect fit. <laughs> can you name somebody not from uh, played played or went to North Carolina schools? No, no, no. I mean, of course, but I'm just thinking about guys that are open <laughs> that I can reach out to for you. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want to do, Scott. I, I think Josh Howard would be really good there. Okay, there yeah. you go. We'll He's, put that out. What is he, 6'7"? Yeah, 6'7". Yeah, he can handle it. I think he'd be really good I there. feel like in five years or maybe ten years, depending on LeBron's timeline, he's going to be the greatest, th- you know, big three player of all time. LeBron. No he'd doubt. Be perfect. Yeah. I would think uh, – yeah, no. You think about players yeah. nowadays. Like yeah, you gotta be able to score. You you gotta have the <laughs> mentality of just score, score, score. Yeah, he's not an isolation. What about Jamal Crawford? Uh, so that's we're in the works with that oh, right okay, now. There you oh, go. oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. But Jamal has to want to do it. Like Jamal still thinks he's gonna get that call. He's way like he that's true. like all the way until right. April fifteenth. He's thinking he's gonna get that call. He might get that call. You know who would be a great three on three player? Who? Dominique Wilkins. Oh, currently. Yeah, Dominique was a big time scorer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Hey, that, that's shifting the. Uh, but I, I just want, always want to ask you a, a very serious question because I know you and we've known each other for twenty some odd years now. In the end, every player, the ball is the air is going to come out of the ball. You got to make a transition. You're a former player, and I've seen how you've made this transition. Right now, you're doing podcasts, you're doing television, you're playing in the big three. You have all of these things. You balance in family. What was your process from the moment that you retired, Scott? It was hard, BJ. Hard. I know, I know it was hard. Can you just share the difficulty of saying what is next and how you went through that process? Yeah, so I, I, I would love to sit here and say, yeah, I had this plan. This is what I wanted to do, but it, it wasn't. I was planning on playing forever. I was planning on going overseas. I'd want to go to China. Uh, there was uh, Arn got me an opportunity to go to yeah. France and play. Yeah. I just wanted to play because, like, I feel – one thing that people have to understand is like it's when you're a, an athlete and I don't, I can't speak for everybody but I can speak to how I felt like the most the most comfortable you feel in the world is when you're right. playing basketball for me or other athletes right and when you get when that gets taken away it's it is difficult to understand your purpose at that point right and think about this there are guys out there that are really struggling when they have to walk away from the game mm-hmm. I had I have Two kids, another one on the way, lovely wife. I have a job doing 
like what I currently do now, which is the the, uh, the TV right. analyst for the Boston Celtics. And I can right. do this job for the rest of my life, rest of my life. And it was sitting there. They're like, we'll take you right now. So I have that. I have overseas opportunity. I have all these upper, uh, other opportunities. And But it was hard to, to, to do that leap, to like to literally say, I'm done playing. Because it's something we've done since we're 10 years old. We've had a dream. Then you identify yourself. Like people – you ain't having this conversation with me if I don't make it as an athlete, right? <laughs> so you've identified your personality. When I walk around the airport, whether I'm good or not, white mamba, what's up? Like white mamba doesn't exist if, if if that's not happening, right? So so your whole persona is all built off of this one thing. And another thing, you set out a goal, you accomplish a goal. You set out a new goal, you accomplish a goal. And then you have to basically say, I'm done with all this. That's not easy to do. And so I transitioned right into it. But I took like the same approach from basketball and I took it to that. I wasn't, I didn't just show up thinking, well, and, and, and maybe because I wasn't that good of a player that I was thinking I could just rely on my accolades. Right. I showed up and like, no, I want to work. I want to be good. I know I have a long ways to go. I'd watch the guys who I really liked. I, I ended up watching almost all of uh, Doug Collins was one of my favorite yeah, analysts, yes, right? Yes. I watched all Doug Collins stuff. I watched what he did in the game, the way he he uh, would deliver, the kind of jokes that he would make. I watched him in the studio. I'd watch football shows in the morning, uh, you know, the NFL on Fox, uh, the pregame show, to learn how to be good in the studio. Because when I started out, I was really uncomfortable in the studio, so it, it took a ton of work. And and then I along the way kept playing pickup basketball, YMCA league, this league, that league. I let dudes challenge me one-on-one, -on -one, put that shit on TV, <laughs> man, and roasted their ass. Like, it, it was like, I was down down for whatever. Right. And I, and another thing that I did, which is hard, it was like, I, a lot of people have a hard time with this, I never said no to anything. Mm -hmm. Even if it was for no money, I'd just do it. I never knew what was gonna happen. One time I did this Papa Shot contest in Chicago for $700, <laughs> it was like nothing, just with, with some kids, right? And there was an ESPN exec there that ESPN exec says, I want to, I don't know who you are, but I want to be in the business of Brian Scalabrini. Mm -hmm. She called over here. I got this whole show. They were going to build this show called nation at night about basketball. And I was going to be on that show all because of this $700 insignificant Papa shot thing I did with some kids. So I learned from right there, like never say no to anything, do everything you can. And then like, see, see where the chips may fall after that. And I think that was not everyone is okay with that. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm not doing that for that. That's beneath me. I, nothing was ever beneath me. Oh, man, that's, that's great. And, you know, that, that's a great piece of advice. You never said no. You're always working. But you've always had that work ethic. No doubt. You've always had that. Because I, I was never personal. gassed up, ever. Right, right. Except for the start of this podcast. That's yeah, why, that's why I'm uncomfortable. That was the whole point. <laughs> no, I look point. at you as the enemy. When people <laughs> gas me up. You were mad. Yeah, no, you were, listen. You were mad. When people keep it real with me, I know. Like, I'm, I, know. Yo, I know. I know. I know. Like, when people sit down and they're yeah. like, this is, listen, this is the big deal. Like, I... Don't hide shit from me. My whole right, life, right. they were just yeah. like, you need to be better. You yeah. got to get better at this. You got to get better at that. And I never thought I made anything. Yeah. So that's, I think that's a good mentality to have, you know, and, and, and listen, it's so easy when a young player comes in or to gas this guy up, tell him how good he is. But what's, what they really need, man, is like the truth. Scott, we got to start talking a little NBA, right? Let's you, do it. Let's talk a little NBA. First, I always wanted to ask you this. Who is the best player you've ever played with? And what is the best team Ooh. in your so career? Because you've seen a lot of basketball. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And you've seen, I mean, you saw a great era of basketball. 
the best player. Who's I, the best player? Can we, how do you determine best player? Well, well however you determine it, it it's very subjective, right? You, you know, I don't I don't know who the best player is, but I value your opinion because you and I we've had arguments upon arguments sure. about players and. <laughs> We probably were doing a podcast years ago before yeah, we even had no a idea podcast. it was a podcast. Yeah. No, no, no argument was better yeah. than the argument in Maine when we were at oh, Feed yeah, the yeah, Peak. Yeah, yeah. We argued. It was a three-day argument. Every time we see each other, I come in with my right, point. Right. It was one of those things. Like, I would be able to go. You know how, like, you're in an argument, and, you know, a, a couple hours later, like, man, I should have said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kept coming back. Right, to right. <laughs> I'd be in the middle of a drum. Like, no, I got to go tell at? BJ yeah. something. I'm going to go tell him something. I go back, you know? No, that, that was, and that's why I love him. Cause Legendary. We talk and we argue, and then afterwards, we move on. You know, oh, and yeah. that's what, what I always wanted to know, who is the greatest player you've played with? All right. All right, this is a tough one. Yeah, this is a tough this is one. a tough one for me. So I think, so I think Garnett is the best player I played with because because of his presence. Right. So I I've never in my life been around a person with that much presence around him. Like normally, when Garnett walked into the gym the first day, you're like, oh shit, that's Garnett, and you could feel the energy, right? But by like year three, you would think that that would wear off. It never wore off. Like everyone would like, and I maybe it didn't for like Pierce, Allen, and and Rondo. But like for most of us, we all had to like we had to be on our on point. Like in the weight room, we had to be on point. In the gym, we had to be on point. In practice, on the plane, like he never let anybody slide when it came to being a professional. Really. So I I just never been around anybody like that. Then you add the fact that he's six eleven. He's smart. He's intense. He's about winning, right? You add all that in. But he's not the most skilled player I've ever played with. That guy is probably Paul Pierce. He's, like, clutch, skilled. Never been around a player that nothing bothers him. Like, you know how in the NBA now you can see a possession and it, it starts messed up and it usually ends messed up. Mm -hmm. Man, if that possession started messed up and that ball found Pierce with six seconds to go, man, he's going to get you a shot. He's going to do that step back or he's going to pump fake and get into you. So he was like the most skilled player. He can he can drive it. He can play point. He can pass. He can space it. Um, but I really believe I and I said this. To, uh, Lee Jenkins wrote an article on Derrick Rose, and I really, really, really believe that Derrick Rose is going to be the greatest player I've ever played with. Oh wow, that's a big. I oh, really oh, and that was after Garnett and everything I've been through. That's a, that's a big statement. That was after Jason Kidd, who was like the most. He changed my life more than anybody. Like. Without him, it's no me. Uh, he made me so much better than I was. So that's all that. But just being around Derek that year, it, yeah, I, I just thought Derek was going to be like, uh, like a top five all time great. You know, like like before the injury and all that stuff. What, what about teams? I mean, you play. I mean, like, oh, we, Celtic teams. We, I mean, we forgot about you know Jason Kidd. Yeah, no, the Celtic team was the best team. Best 0-8, 2010, we were good. But 08, 09, we were great until Garnett got hurt. But in 08, I mean, we were 66 and 16. Oh, wow. And, like, uh, brought it every night. You know when you're good. You, you know. You know when you're good. You know when you're good when you play like shit and you win by 15. That's when you're really good. Right, you're like, right, right. we played one of the worst games I've ever seen, but just defensively. One of the greatest defensive teams to ever play, if you just, like, look at the numbers at least in the top five in discussion. So that was the best team I ever played on. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, no doubt. 
Speaking of the Celtics today, tell me about this Celtics team. There's a lot of expectations on this team. Sure. You know, you have a new player, Kimball Walker. Some reports now he has an injury, yeah. something with his knee or yeah. something. Tell me about this team. What's well, the realistic expectation? So it's interesting. We haven't seen teams built like this. And I think we'll see more of this going forward. But they had five guys on the team that all have scored over 30 points in a game this season. You know, the, the only other playoff team that has done that is Philadelphia because I think, like, Matisse Thibel had a big game. But, like, they have, like, like Jason Tatum can go off, and he's really – ever since right. he became an all-star, his game has gone to a new level. Jalen Brown's become one of, uh, one of the better two-way right. players. Mm-hmm. And Kemba, on any given night, can drop 40 on you, right? right, it's, right. And, and he's – the one thing about Kemba that's really interesting is he really loves when other people around him are shining. And maybe it's maybe it's me overreacting because, like, I don't think that Kyrie loved people shining. I right. think Kyrie wanted to shine, and he didn't love when other people would have success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was really divisive with, like, the young guys, the old guys, and whatever. But uh, Kemba's, like, you can see him throughout a game. Like, he'll be like, all right, go to work, go to work, go to work. And then I like when Gordon Hayward is like a conduit. Like when the ball finds him, he drives and he makes plays. I like when he's aggressive. I don't like when Gordon Hayward sort of like takes the air out of the ball and goes one-on-one or runs pick and roll. Is he back fully, Gordon Hayward? Is he back physically, mentally? I, I, think, I think so. It's just I, it's never going to look like Utah because the team is built so differently. Right. Yeah. I th- but I, what I, I'll give him credit. Like I think he's found what he's good at, which is being super aggressive. Like he had – I, this is done. This podcast is done after the Minnesota game. He had 29 the other night, right. you know, and and it's and last night the Celtics had f- four, five guys. Is that am I right? Right, there's five guys that scored over 25 points last night. That's it, only happened one time in Celtic history, and that was in 1960 or something like that. So it's just it's just a really it's a really unique uh, team. Now the problem is Giannis is a monster like he is an absolute man, beast out man, there man man like listen I would I, I call man. him current Jordan I call him current I, Jordan I, 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 Scott, international I could, Jordan Scott, yeah. I, I think this kid is a consistent jump shot away from doing something we've never seen before and, and, and it's not even the three it could be he, it could be the fadeaway in the post if he can just find something consistent yeah. that he can do yeah every night against everybody in the league it's curtains for the entire league. I agree. Because when he turns and shoots, he's so high, he's over. Other, if he just, like, got the ball in the post, hit you with that, and just turned and shot it, and he made that shot, the league is in you trouble. You know what I would love to see play against each other is Giannis versus Garnett. I would love to see, yeah, no doubt. That intensity, because no they have the same body type. No doubt. And the intensity that they both play, because they're both, they're small, but they play no, big. Strong. They play strong. Wire, strong. Wiry, they wiry strong. strong. Yeah. But the intensity of those two every time I watch him offensively because he'll beat you up on it he, he'll play a little bully ball Giannis a oh little no bit. doubt and no Kevin doubt. would do the same right and I, every time I watch him play I go that would be a matchup oh and they're so and they're so but Garnett's better pick and pop guy but I, we like a guy's getting downhill Giannis has those two big steps those zero steps and he just powers through people I, he's impressive to watch I'm just wondering about the Bucks, like almost not wondering probably a little bit of hoping that they they don't do anything to me like when the game slows down they're not a great half court offensive right, team right. so I'm gonna be I'm really interested in seeing what what Mike Budenholzer has up his sleeve if they do have something say it's not the Celtics who are you picking I'm all I'm, I love those guys <laughs> man that's it. I love those I guys didn't see man that you 
I love Toronto. You, you, that team reminds me of the year Jordan retired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what this team reminds me yeah. of, right? Every time I watch yeah. them, you keep going, well, they lost Jordan. That Bulls team is – and they keep winning. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they have the FU mentality, man. man. Like, they have taken disrespect to a whole new level, and they don't even whine about it. That's the best part about it. Right. Everybody's whining nowadays except for the Toronto <laughs> Raptors, man. I just can't. And Nick Nurse – I like the fact that he started the season. We already know he's a good coach. Like he, the stuff he does, he's innovative. I mean, he called out his players. I love that. Like coaches never call out their players, and like, and he called them out in a way of saying, like, you guys have to understand how hard we play here. It ain't just like you just show up. No, you bring it. If you're on the floor, you bring it. And Siakam, he brings it. Van Fleet brings it. Kyle Lowry brings, brings it. it. And, and Winnebaka and and uh, Gasol oh, play; those guys play hard, and they yeah. press. Yeah, I mean, it's something in the NBA to see a team pressing. You know, yeah, they they, they and they use all kinds of different guys in different situations. Yep. Like he does a good job. I I think he's very similar. Like I follow obviously at Brad Stevens. I'm and Brad's right. a good coach, but Brad's very much like very positive to his team. I don't know what he's like at in the locker room and practice mm-hmm. and any of that stuff, but Brad's a really positive guy. Man, Nick Nurse has that edge. He got a little G in him. <laughs> I'm, I'm for real, man. Yeah, I love guys like that. Yeah, I just well, – one thing is – and maybe this is why I've done well in media. Because one thing in the NBA that you if, – if, if you're aware, which I have to be aware to be to make it, right, you have to be authentic to who you are. Like, you can't fake in the NBA. You, you can make up a million different reasons, but, like, Every every player in the locker room can point out the two fakest dudes in the locker room <laughs> any second. And we all know who they are. We all know. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was as clear as day to me early on. Like, you know what? There's one thing about everybody in this room. They'll see right through your fakeness. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. Hey, from all players from all walks of life, yeah. players from the hood, players from yeah. the suburbs, players from – White players from overseas. If you're fake, they'll be like, nah, dude's phony. I'm off him. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how it was from 2001 to 2012. That's what my experience was. I don't know if it's like that now, but it, right now it seems like you got to be authentic to who you are. And I think Nick Nurse is as authentic as a coach as I've ever seen. And you can see that they have a chip on their shoulder. Even in the All-Star game, Siakam was trying to keep Kawhi from breaking the three-point record. You know, he's like yeah. trying to hold him back. Yeah. It's like what you said. Like That's like right. Scotty and MJ kind of thing. You know, it's just like a little bit like jab if he were to come back to practice around like BJ's told some stories like that. It's like, no, you're a baseball player now. You know, we've moved on. We're, yeah. we're, we're the new Chicago Bulls. Scott, uh, moving out west real quick, you play for Doc. <laughs> Who you who who are you picking to come out of the West? Uh, Clippers. <laughs> I haven't I haven't I haven't very I haven't wavered from yeah. that. That's that's your team. Now the only the only way I'm wrong is if, like I think that Clippers are built for the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? If the playoffs don't look like what I've have seen in the past, like in the past we've always had well. I want you to be careful now. Before we got on air, we were talking about the Rockets. So we know the playoffs could look like something we've never seen before. Sure. This feels like it could be a new three-day argument where you're yelling about the new playoffs back in the No, no, I don't, don't want to like the Rockets. I'm just higher on the Rockets than I thought I was going to be. And I was – Well, and you got to respect them. When they got rid of Capella, I was thinking, no way. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, so you can't post them. Like, you can't think, oh, they got a small guy, let's post him. And you can't go ISO on him. What you have to do, you know, like, the Rockets will get smoked by the Bucks. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the Bucks driving kick game and drive, 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 drive. But if you try to play like the slow down game or if like Anthony Davis, who's a stud, tries to post up PJ Tucker, like that's not that's not good offense for any any NBA team. Maybe not even Joel Embiid, who I think is one of the best post players out there. Like PJ Tucker in the post is actually advantage PJ Tucker. Yeah. You want to get PJ Tucker on the move and stuff like that. So the one thing is if LeBron and if the Rockets are playing uh, the Lakers and LeBron just continues to attack the rim, he's going to get to the rim. If LeBron historically has has if there's no big in the game, he's going to go to the rim every single time. If there's a big in the game, whether it be like even if it's Andrew Bogut or anybody that can defend the rim, he'll go to something a little bit different, right? So if they don't have anybody at the rim, I can see LeBron just like continuing to get downhill. But I'm I'm high on Clippers, man. I think they're built for the playoffs, and I think they're built to beat LeBron. Well, we got the Moore's twins now, right? That's the big story. So we got well, we got Marcus and Markeith. Yeah. The, the Lakers are waving DeMarcus Cousins or allegedly right. to get Markeith Morris. And what's going to happen when Markeith Morris is waving off LeBron to take the last shot? That's what, that's what we want to see. That's my favorite. That'll be my favorite new Lakers moment. Then, then Frank Vogel will be <laughs> waving his hand to bring Markeith to the bench. I'm ready for like the Morris twins guarding each other. You know, yeah. one of them having the ball, then waving off LeBron and yeah. waving off Kawhi. That's my now, new favorite moment. But in the, the, NBA. the one thing is, like those guys are those guys mentally are ready. Yes, for, for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. built for this. They're exactly. not. They're not. They're not afraid of the moment. Uh-huh. So, to to their credit, it's like waving LeBron off is kind of the reason That's, why you want to get a guy yeah, like that. Yeah, it's the confidence, yeah, that yeah. comes with it. What's next for Scal? What 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 do you have next? What's <laughs> next I? for what's next for Scal and Scal? The NBA is going 10 years from today the NBA is going to look like 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 everyone's going to be 6-8 and everyone can shoot threes. Everyone can you handle. Think this, you think this trend is going to continue? The shooting of the three. You don't think the game is eventually is going to come back? No. Nah. And I, here's where I think about the game today. In this new game, right, that we're all trying to, you know, I don't know if it's an experiment or the game has transitioned here. The five man is the only man that can't play in the summer. Traditionally, bigs yeah. don't like to play in the summer because us little guards never pass them the ball. They can't dribble the ball because, you know, they're, they're seven feet. Now they're just beginning to learn how to play this new game. So now you're taking all these seven-footers, you know, Porzingis and all sure. these guys. But at some point, they're going to start doing what the rest of us are doing. They're going to start dribbling. That's what I think. They're going to start, you know, passing the ball, and they're going to start playing the game where they're rebounding instead of outlending. Sure. They're just going to start dribbling sure. now. I so do that agree. So they can participate in the summer. They're the le- it's really four on four in the summertime because the bigs, you yeah. know, all they do is set screens and do whatever. But I think the big man is going to make an impact on the game, but I just don't know how. So like like um like Al Horford like that's like so I think I'm talking man- about a traditional big. Yeah, Al Horford is an under. I look at Al as an undersized big. Correct. He's a he's a four man, but somehow he knows how to play as an undersized five and he's very very effective sure i'm talking about a true big like, yeah and what are the so you're saying the true big like joel mb i think someone joel mb should be the best player in the nba that's what i thought at the start of the year he, well he should be because he has the entire package right he can shoot he can pass he can dribble he's athletic sure big hands da, yep, da, da, yep. Da. now 
of course, you got to be in condition to do all those things. And I think he struggled with his conditioning. But I think there will be a big. Because if he could score on the box, like we all know, I don't think there's a way that you can defend him. Yeah, but if he game. was – if so the problem with Embiid is, is it's not any of those things. It's – he's not a great passer. Like when we – before this – before we started this, we talked about um, – like LeBron running pick and roll, mm-hmm. and when when the when defenses start to collapse, he makes the pass. So right. you know it's like you can't stop on a dime now. Get back out to the shooter, sure. right? So Embiid, like he's supposed to be playing, like he's supposed to be the quarterback toying around with the, the defense. But really, what's happening now? I don't know if that's just Philly and their lack of organization because right. I was shocked when I watched them this year, and I thought yep. I, I really believe that I could get four Division One players and be more organized in the Philadelphia 76ers. I do. I just think, okay, wait, hold on here. We'll play the first game, we'll, we'll lose. And then I'll look at you, 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 and you. Okay, this is what we're good at. You're good at this, you're good at that, you're good at that. This is what we have to do. And this is how we're going to win this game or any game moving forward. Like, they look disorganized. Like, they don't know what they're doing. Right. But if MB becomes, like, an elite, elite passer, like, you start putting him at the elbow and he's like, going to work, and as soon as the defense starts coming, he starts hitting guys. He starts doing that, and he passes before he gets double-teamed on the way when the double-team is coming, then yes. So, But I think it all comes down to being an elite decision-maker for bigs. Mm -hmm. Bigs right now – Explain what you mean by that because the only big – as you were talking, only big I can think that I've ever seen do that is Tim Duncan. No, Draymond Green. Well, I, when I say a big, yeah, I, I know, but that's but, like. But Draymond is six. He's six five, he, six six. Yeah, but a big that can defend the rim and rebound—that's all you're really looking for. Right, so right, defensively, right. he's a big. Right, right. Like, okay, you can't like look at Lamarcus Aldridge try to back him down. Like it's hard, right? right so, right. So I want so, so Draymond Green is what we need to do if the NBA, or if you're a big out there and you're going to be six eleven. You need to be the six eleven Draymond Green. Okay. Zion right. Williamson is a combination of. Like he's he makes the ball doesn't stick in his hands like Draymond, but he has the athleticism of Blake Griffin. The problem with Blake is the ball sticks in his hands too too much. Right. Like that ball needs to be in and out, in and out. Zion Williamson comes over for a dribble handoff. Now all of a sudden he gives you the ball. He gives you a little brush screen. Now you're getting downhill. You have if I'm guarding Zion, I have to protect you from turning the right, corner. Right. How much room does Zion really need to catch and finish and dunk? So instead of him saying I'm going to go one on one. No, just take the ball, dribble handoff to a guy, set a little brush screen, dive to the basket. When you get it, now a guy's rotating at you, you go to work on him. That is the future of bigs. Not like posting up. That's not going to be the future of bigs. Interesting. It, Interesting. It's going to be like, think like just take this like combination. Here's a few guys I really love. I love Wendell Carter Jr. right now. Like yes. if he's got us just, uh, he can't be hurt all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm uh, Jaron Jackson. Yeah, I just saw Six eleven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Perfect. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's ridiculous. He's got handles too. Interesting, interesting player. No doubt. And he's, what is he going to be coming? If, if, yeah, he, take that skill set and just start. Yeah, remembering. I watched him last night. Nice man. He's an interesting, mm, interesting nice. player. And I, yeah. I said the same thing last night. I, he does some things that you go. Yeah. His instincts are like incredible. No Size doubt. Size here. No go doubt. Ahead, go so, ahead. so, so when are we? So the NBA is weird because guys are coming into the draft and there's like. No one's ever saying, like, what kid right now in college is like, man, I'm trying to be like Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, no one's saying <laughs> that, right? Right, right? But you really should be thinking, like, 
Okay. And by the way, I was talking to this coach at Boston College. And this is so disrespectful. I, I just want to slap kids across the face on this one. But <laughs> the kids were like, the kids were like, I don't like this disrespectful to call me a dream on green. You're effing nuts, man. Yeah, yeah, You're nuts. Right, right, right. And so I need <laughs> I need Draymond Green, and not everyone can just be Zion. Zion's like right. a superhero, right? I need Draymond Green. I need Jaron Jackson okay. Jr. I need yeah. Al Horford. I need Wendell, Wendell Carter. Carter. And I need you to be 6'11 when you're doing that. Yep, that you yep. take 6'11 long, and that's how you play? Yeah. Man, you're, you're creating. If I'm a coach, I'm like, yo, I'm just going to play you as many minutes as you can play because – you run pick and roll with this guy, and you can dribble handoff with that guy, and you can do that all day. And and all I know is I'm going to be getting to that paint, getting to that rim. And right. I do know that when the big comes over to help and they throw it up and you dunk it or you pop for three and you nail a wide-open <laughs> shot, that makes the coaches on the other team lose sleep at night. So what are the big men going to turn into? Some of the most valuable players that when they learn how to do that and they, right. they grow up, yep. you know, like the – the big kid, the, like when you're when your kid is six foot three in the sixth grade, if you don't put him on the block, you teach him how to dribble handoff, or not just dribble handoff. How about pitch and then follow with the screen? Like there's there's art to the dribble handoff. There's art to the screen and roll. There's art. If you ever get a chance to uh, talk to Rajon Rondo, ask him about me and my screens that I set for him. He he might he might say after all these years, I think Scout might be the best screen setter I've ever had. Why? It's all about angles, like understanding where you're setting the screen at. I got Rondo. I don't want the guy to go underneath. I want to sneak up. I want that guy to go over the top. And I could do that just by shifting my body six inches. What if we taught big men how to do that since seventh grade? You know who's grade, a great screener right? now, he's just saying, is Rudy Gobert. No doubt. He's, no doubt. He's, One of I don't the best. know why I watch the game to watch him screen. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I, it stands I, out. Because, yeah, he's, he's, because yeah. he's, he's exceptional at it. He really is. Like, he knows, like, all right, I, on, with Donovan Mitchell coming up the sideline, I want to make sure that that guy doesn't right. go underneath and right. meet him on the other side. So I'm going to move my body over. <laughs> so you have to go over the top. No, I, 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 I find myself watching him yep. screen. No. Because as a guard, you go, Wow, he understands it. And Scout, you were a phenomenal screener. So, but no, I, I get it. You're. I think you made a good point. I think you made a great point about the mixture of all of those players. Because if you could find a Draymond Green at six oh, eleven, huh? Wow. Yeah. Or like that's why when people are wow. they people killed me this summer when I said that Zion Williamson is Draymond Green with LeBron's athleticism. I think that's like the utmost compliment. Right. You know, like. If Draymond ran around like LeBron, the NBA would be in trouble. Yeah. Like it'd be in trouble. <laughs> so I was like, so I'm like, this is this is like that's a that guy is like hard to guard. Yeah, and there's one thing about like, okay, the guy hits the ISO jump shot, and people are like, wow, that's amazing. No coach is adjusting to that. But when a guy is setting screens and guards are getting downhill, and that guy's picking and popping, and then when you run at him, he's setting another one. And coach is like, how am I going to guard this guy? Or he's rolling to the basket. You could throw it up. Rim runners. Like, this is – that's hard to guard. Absolutely. That's what's keeping me up at night. Yeah, John Collins, another guy with the Atlanta Hawks. No doubt. No doubt. I, I, I went on record last year. I thought he should have been an all-star last yeah, year. Absolutely. I thought Atlanta was going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, and then he got suspended, yeah, he right? And they were people were killing me. By the way, they're 10-10 they're and 10 since his return. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's, I'm sorry to bring up another Wake Forest guy. <laughs> not, no, he's great. I'm a big John Collins fan. Okay, rim runner and he can shoot to three. Absolutely. So, this is, I just think 
Like that's the future, and those guys are going to get paid. Yeah, they're going to make yeah. you know twenty, thirty million dollars a year because people need that guy. They need that type of player. Well, Scal, we will sit here and talk basketball basketball with you all day. I really appreciate you coming on. Well, you no, gotta really give me your, like who you got coming out of the West? Uh, Clippers. Who you got coming Clippers. out of the West? Feel for the playoffs, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the only my only concern with them is they haven't had a stretch of games where they've been able to be, be a cohesive group. No and doubt. as you know, being on a championship team, you know, you can talk about it all you want, but you got to do it. No doubt. And if they can get together these last 20, 25 games where they can put together a stretch going into the playoffs, I think that that will be the chemistry that they need. But that's my only concern. I think they're tough. I love Doc. I think they have a star player in Kawhi, and I think they can defend. They can grind the game out. So I'm, I'm picking them, but who knows? Who knows how what, this will Oh, work. no doubt. What do you got out east? Ooh, I'm probably going to go with the Bucks. You? Yeah. I'm going to go with the Bucks, and, <laughs> and, and and the only reason I'm going to say, I don't think Giannis the Bucks have the, the best talent. I don't think the Bucks as a team have the best talent, but they, when you're making a championship run, mm-hmm. right, you get that momentum, and you start building things. They've been able to build a championship caliber season. No doubt. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if Boston beat them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if if Toronto. Certainly, I felt that coming in that, you know what, the Philadelphia 76ers caught my interest. I, they, they, I they thought they were going to make it, no doubt. But best record, in, best home record. record. What, do you, how do you, what do you attribute to that? Because I'm like. I don't think it's going to matter in the playoffs if you're a bad road team in the regular season. What I contribute with the uh, Sixers? They're they're you know they have right, no no I, they have the same wins on the road as the they, Knicks and they, Minnesota. This is what I Those contribute are two to them. Trash dumpster I, fire teams. I I, I I study the 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 not the Celtics. The Sixers are my team to study my basketball when I'm watching. I attribute them not being able to win on the road because they don't have an organizer to be able to win on the road, right? Yeah. So you guys had Rajon Rondo, right? Sure. You know, the Lakers had Magic Johnson. You know, when I played there in Chicago, we knew that the way we played at home was entirely different than how we played on the road. And that all that all started with being able to organize the game. Yeah. They don't have an organizer. Ben Simmons is not an organizer. He's an incredible talent. No doubt. He's a he's just talent. He'll put up the, the numbers. But he can't organize the game and win on the road. But at home, they'll, 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 they're a downhill team. Sure. They're, they will just come in. As you know, when you're coming home, you're feeling good. No, the crowd's yeah. behind you. It comes in waves. But when you go on the road, it's a different game. Yeah. And they can't do that yet. So they, to me, this is a team that has figured out we can win at home, but they can't figure out how to win on the road. But that organizer will also need to – organize you to win a playoff game there you go and that that to me that's their biggest issue they can't when you are when you're winning a championship you got to have a system of play that dictates the game right the bulls had the triangle the lakers had the showtime you guys were defense you had a defensive system that you said this is celtic basketball when you look at the sixers you say what no, I say disorganized. <laughs> yeah, you see the talent. They have yeah. two incredibly talented, gifted players. Yeah, the most frustrating team by far to watch. It, it makes me like but cringe. But they don't have a system that you say this is Sixer basketball. I, They'll I, just overwhelm you with talent, though. At home, yeah, 
you know, Ben's dunking, yeah, yeah. Joel's doing his thing. Yeah. But then if you stop all of that, you're going, what, what's their identity? You know, you've made the greatest point to me what a great team. You don't have to play well to win the game. Yeah. You can play bad and win. That's when I knew the Celtics were good. And I look for the teams who can play bad. The Clippers can play the ugliest brand of basketball right now and still win. Yeah. Because their game, the way they play, isn't dictated by scoring the basketball. They don't have to shoot well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the Sixers are, but I do know it's a team I wouldn't want to prepare for. Because they have great talent. And uh, as you so know, 100% agree. Yeah, 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 you know, if Joel you give them Embiid, the stage, too, they play up. Joel Embiid and Ben really Simmons, they, that could be a bad matchup for you. Yeah. And they could just overwhelm you with their talent alone. So so that's interesting because Ben Simmons checks all the boxes for a great point guard except for that box. He, 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 he hasn't learned how to manage the game. He can't manage the game. Magic Johnson was unique. Yeah. Magic Johnson – Greatest asset wasn't the look, no look away yeah, passes yeah. and all of the. We glorify that yeah, stuff, yeah. but it yeah, wasn't that. That yeah. stuff was made, made you go ooh and wow. Magic Johnson's greatest asset yeah. was managing the game. Yeah, Magic would manage it from the point guard position. He would manage it from the four, the five. He could manage the game. Correct. Jason Kidd. Yeah. Was one. Of, well, they won. The, they were, Dallas like Dirk was ridiculous, but they're not there if it's not for Kidd. He could manage the game. No doubt. He, and, and the year after when he was with the Knicks and they sucked at a bunch of old heads and Carmelo, and they were like really good too. It was like Shumpert and Jay yeah. Yeah. It's like a gift. It's a gift when you find those guys who know how to manage the game. So like if Philadelphia would have went after Rajon Rondo, we, we would not have a problem? I think the perfect player for Philadelphia is Chris Paul. Oh, so they would – they. They could have traded. Because Chris Paul has no the doubt. mentality yeah. and the respect. And he, as you know, most people aren't comfortable with conflict. You got to be comfortable in the conflict, yeah. right? You know, that Celtic team, Rajon Rondo, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Scout. It was, I think Rajon was like second or third year in the league, and no one didn't know. And I met you guys over in London. Oh, that was the second year. Start of his second, second year. year. And, and you know how everyone would eat in the room. And I, and I was sitting down. We were talking. And I was like, this kid is comfortable in the conflict. He's yeah. going to be fine. No, not only comfortable, man. He's starting it's, all that yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he over here. He be throwing yeah. gas on yeah, it. That's, what I'm but, nah, that's but how you, we were, man. But you didn't. But you, as you know, yeah. if you're not comfortable in that, this league will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. When I knew he was comfortable in the conflict, I was like, he's fine. Oh, yeah. He's fine. Yeah. He is okay with all of the chaos of this league. Yeah. And he will thrive in that environment. And that is either you have it or you don't. But and, I, and, and when I look at the Sixers, I always say that's the player for them. Mm -hmm. If they could get Chris Paul. Yeah, for sure. Chris Paul would challenge Embiid. He would challenge Simmons. And he's good enough to organize the game. And I think that's the problem. That's why they loved Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is a is a personality who loves the conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just, yeah, they lack it. They, they lack an organ. Yeah, that's just a good way of putting it. Just an organizer. But it also so, says something about the Lakers, right, that they have Rondo and Jason Kidd on the bench, and those are two great guys. Who and LeBron. And yeah, LeBron. I mean, LeBron, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't, they have too much organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, no, they're, uh, I, I'm just I'm shocked that Le, like LeBron is still doing it at his at yeah, his, his age. But if you really so you don't catch it on TV, but when you watch it live, 
you see how he manages the game. Not only is he managing the game, he's also managing his body that day, and he's managing his body for the entire season. Yeah. It all comes into play. You don't just accidentally trip up, play 17 years, and still dominate the way he is. Like this is all planned. Yeah, it's a bird's eye view of the whole thing. No doubt. Yeah. And I, you know, I and I could criticize him three years ago for not bringing it every night with the Cavs had the 29th best defense right. and he flips the switch. But like, he clearly knew what he was doing in this long term. How many more, I, I'm, <laughs> how many more years do you think he plays? Five more years? You know, I, I think watching him this year, watching him this year and knowing how difficult that job is as a lead guard, right? I think it's, I think this is the first year where I said, He's going to have to change positions. Now, if he goes to the four position, I think he could play five more years. Playing this position here and the amount of effort and energy to bring that ball up to court, these guys are extending their defense, knowing he's going to have to extend these minutes from 35 minutes to 42 minutes in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, you can have all the knowledge you want, right? As you get older, your experience, you rely more and more on it there's no replacement for the effort and energy that's necessary to win these games. And yeah. as you start playing every other day and those games in the playoffs start mounting up and you got to go 42 to 45 minutes, I just think that's too difficult because the one thing that, that you have to adjust to in this league as a great player, as any player, speed and quickness. That's the only thing you can't carry with you. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Ja Morant is – moving at a pace that you can't expect a man that's 17, 18 years in the league. And I don't care how much experience you got. No. That's just – and speed and quickness is, to me, is the X factor. So, But what I do think is LeBron changes his position and goes to the four, there's no reason why he can't play for another five years at an elite level, not yeah. just a good level, at an elite level. But doing this, playing this point guard position, them guys are too fast, yeah. man. That's, that, that's too much speed and quickness. Yeah, it's going to be – I just – I'm fascinated by the playoffs, and I'm all eyes going to be on LeBron for me because I'm already shocked that he was able to do this. Yeah, right. And now when the playoffs come, everyone's going to be going at his head, and he, they're going to challenge him. They're going to pick him up full court. They're going to, you know, it's just going to be. There's a game plan. Yes, it's like uh, there's this there's this boxing movie. It's called Undisputed, and it, like they. This guy got – he's in prison, and he got to fight his way out. But to fight his way out, he's got to beat, like, 12 different guys. That's what it's like for LeBron. He's like – he has to fight one guy in the first, like, first five minutes, then another guy, then another guy, then another guy. Right. Like, eventually, don't you just, like, do I, – I can't do it anymore. And then, after one game, you got to do it for game two, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, it's right. not like, man, I don't have to deal with that, you know, for another two months. He's going to yeah. have to deal with it over and over and over again. So, I'm – I'm fascinated, but I never put anything past him. Anymore. No, no, you you can't. I mean, he's no. figured out a way to adjust his game, and as you as you can, t you know, look, you play. That's tough to be able to accept that challenge, and he's figured it out. As the game has changed, that's probably been the most impressive thing. The game changed somewhere in his career, and he changed this game to adapt and still maintain his hold as being one of, if not the best player in the game. It's amazing. It's yeah. Amazing. Well, that's it, man. I appreciate you, Scott. I mean, I, I think you lived up to the billing at the top of the show. That was a great show. We got a lot of stuff done. I think we said goodbye, what, like 20 minutes ago? We got we? Yeah, we, <laughs> no, but I, we, I don't we like the whole, whole interview. Yeah. I want to hear where you guys stand because, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. basically, I'm going to steal the, the, the B.J. Armstrong yeah, yeah. organizational thing. Yeah. Like, I really don't have 
I didn't have an answer for the Philadelphia 76ers oh, not yeah. being good on the road, but that's that's as clear as it can be. So that will be all over my show. Well, maybe Horford's on the bench now, right? He can organize from the bench. I thought Horford was going to be that guy, yeah. and it's funny when Embiid is out, he is that guy. But only it's it's really weird because he's always been an All Star as a center. Correct. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for him <laughs> as a power forward, and sometime in life, it just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. But as a center. I even have a – if you watch Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan is the only player I've ever seen live that went from the first option and won a championship, went to the second option, won a championship. By the end, he was the fifth option, and they were still competing for championships. Yeah, that's incredible, right? <laughs> now, I've never seen a player like him before. Is Tim, that true? I, 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 he is the most fascinating player for me from a technical when, when standpoint. He was, when they won – he won five. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which when, when was he the second option? When, not the Miami, because then well, he was like uh, a fifth Tony option. Tony Parker then won the MVP. Tony yeah. Parker, Ginobili, yeah. and yeah. all those guys. Yeah. That's 2007. But, but at the end, at the end, when we won the last championship, <laughs> Greg Popovich knew that he had to get his team to win two games. He knew he had to win a game, and he was going to tell Tim, "I know you're good for one game." One game. And, Just give me and, one. And every time I watched Tim Duncan, and I, would, I would watch that series against Miami. I would go, okay, this is not the game. Yeah. But you knew whenever that game was needed, I think it was like game six, Tim Duncan had one of those 37. Yeah. You're like, how is this old guy yeah, yeah, able yeah. to muster up this energy at this late in stage of his career? Because he was that good. And he had that level of, like saying, I know I got one game in me. Just let me know when yeah. you need a coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe Shaq Daddy. He went from first to second, but never went to fifth. Yes. Never went to fifth. When he went to Miami, I thought he was he went to he went second because you know Dwayne Wade was the was the first guy. That to me was interesting for Shaq and his dynamic because he never wanted to defer here. But I prepared for that team. And when even at that uh, stage the Miami? The Miami team. Like in the playoffs, right? Even then. Shaq was a you don't come off his body. No, no. So, no, like, no. think about this. Like, do you, if you want to say the second option, right? All we talked about no. was Shaq yeah, and this yeah. shoot around. You know, like, it was Shaq this but, and Shaq that but, and Shaq this. But here, but, but check this out on the Shaq. Shaq was interesting, even though he might have been the second option. If you recall, he would always touch the ball first. Yeah. So, Shaq was an interesting second option because he would touch the ball first. You had to double team him. But when you left the double team, you couldn't leave him like a normal double team no. because of how big he was. And then when they would swing the ball over to Dwayne Wade on the weak side, you're playing one-on-one with the first option. Yeah. So it was equivalent to really how Jordan, we used the triangle offense to always get Jordan on the weak side and play isolation basketball, not from the strong side, from yeah. the weak side. And, and that was so difficult to defend, as you know. Dwayne Wade with a live dribble on the weak side. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then when he <laughs> drove. Unfair. Like I and I play prepare for that Laker team yeah, yeah, when right. they had Kobe. Like when Shaq drove, I mean when Kobe drove, you were not yeah, allowed to come off of Shaq's that. body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So think about it. There was no plays at the rim. Mm-hmm. You had to come from like past yeah, right. Shaq and come over and Kobe would just go up and uh 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 dunk yeah, it yeah, on the no, side of the rim. <laughs> he was killing us. Yeah, right. Yeah. I knew we were gonna lose that series, man. It was game two. We already lost game one here in L.A. We're playing game two. What year two, are we talking about? 2002 okay. against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it. And a lot of times I'm not scoreboard checking, so I'm so into the game, right? And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
oh my god we're playing great right now like we're killing kid is like doing his thing we're, we're defensively we're rotating we're all good man we and we used to kill people that year yeah, people weren't ready. Kittles yeah the they weren't ready for yeah, our yeah, speed yeah, right yeah. And now I'm like watching. I'm like, yeah. I look up at the score. Man, we had a two point lead. <laughs> 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 I thought it was though. Man, this shit's over. <laughs> Shaq was in 2002. Oh, yeah, that was he, the three. He, he, he it was, was ridiculous, yeah, man. He, it was. He was. It was he, ridiculous. He was. For all of those who played against him, when I tell you he was the diesel. Oh, man, he, uh, he, he I've was, never played anybody that dominant. Yeah. He, Let me tell you, last story. Like, as we go. This is the last story, I promise. So, Shaq, I'm in the game, right? And, and you know, me, I, 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 I live. Let me just say, when I played, I played by the, the, the like, I got to, I, I live or I die. If yeah. I get taken out, it's like my life is over, yeah, right? right? That's how right. I played. Yeah, yeah. I had to. So, Shaq goes up. He he, pushed the guy underneath. He get an offense rebound. I'm right behind him, right, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, our brains in basketball yeah. they work slow, even though yeah. everything is quick, yeah. right? I'm like, damn, I gotta fuck this guy up. God, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> so I come up and I'm like, as I'm coming down, like he gonna kick my ass, man. I came down like, Ugh! like I'm I'm gonna throw him to the ground, right, like. I got to, because if my coach, then I won't play, you know, like I'm in this like, right, right. I'm in this like, you know, like this is like being bullied and I got to beat this dude up even though I don't want to, yeah, right? Yeah. We got to send a message. I, I got, and I, if, if I don't foul him hard, the coach going to take me out. I might never play. I get cut and I'll be in Europe and there'll be no white mamba. <laughs> Uh, all of these thoughts came in. So I come down, I'm like, F it, I gotta do it. I came down, I hit him. Ah! Shaq went up like, uh. dunks it, right? Then I'm thinking, oh shit, he dunked it, he gonna fuck me up. I wish he would have. I wish he would have. He acted like I wasn't even there. I didn't see you. I wish, I wish he would have. I wish he would have been like, yo, man, what you doing? Because at least I would have had some significance. I was the most insignificant moment of my life. Like, I gave him everything I had. I was a gnat on his back. He said, he said watch out, white mama. He didn't even say that. I wish he would have. He didn't even do that. He just walked to the free throw line. And he made the free throw. I mean, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I doing in this league, man? I can't oh, even he be is. here right now. But you were in the finals. No, I don't think it was the finals. I think <laughs> it was some insignificant second quarter. I'm telling you. I gave up oh, everything. I'm, I'm telling you. If I would have played against half the NBA, that would have been a brawl, and I could have got arrested for assault. Yeah, yeah. I was a gnat on his back. Like, he was yeah, like, he was... Ugh, hold up. Uh, uh, yeah, like, nothing. Yeah. Like I, and by the way, when I hit his shoulders, they felt like this table. You know, if I grab BJ's shoulders, my hand could wrap around the shoulder, right? When I went to hit him, it was like I hit a like a piece of wood. It was just like there was nothing there. Like I just, deck, yeah. It was just my hands just ricocheted back like that. Like right. I could not believe it. No, I he, could not he, believe it. Shaq is the only player that Phil Jackson apologized to me because we were gonna double Shaq from the top. And he's and he apologized to me at halftime. He was like, you know what? I could really get you seriously hurt by doing that. We didn't think this all the way through. Because as you know, Shaq oh, yeah. would turn around yeah, yeah, yeah. and if, you know, because you couldn't wait till him put it on the floor. No. You had to go him on the on the pass. And I went down there to double team him and he was the first guy that I was like afraid to double team mm -hmm. because he would hurt you just if he turned around. Mm -hmm. And he knew, as you know, he was, 
He knew. He that's his space though. No, 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 he no, wasn't no. doing it like no, that. Yeah, yeah, he knew yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, you want to do yeah, that? And yeah, the yeah. next thing he would do yeah, is like, he'd come down the lane, you took a charge on him. Yeah, he'd just throw that ball up and be like, boom! And you and you take the charge he knew if he was a mean, if he was mean or mean spirited. Shaq would really yeah. he would have hurt a lot of people in this league. No, like, like he was so dominant. Yeah, he was. It was so like he don't get credit because of like how he was at the end. You don't get credit for the dominant yeah, force he that was, he was, yeah. man. He was dominant. Yeah. All right, that's it. All right, that's a way to end it. That's it. We appreciate you, Skyler. You and, uh, it's been pushing through, and uh, we'll be back on Friday. I don't want to see any hoodies and bags. Yeah, I know. No, none of that, right? man. Never again. I'm gonna go burn this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. See you guys. <laughs>